second reading is from Matthew chapter 2, 1 to 15. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Major from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So she got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. This is God's word. Thanks, Janelle. Well, let me add my welcome. Uh, my name is Matt Frill. I'm the vicar here. And just for a few minutes, I uh, want to think about Christmas, which seems appropriate. And um, what's some of the confusions that exist? So uh, we've had that reading. Um, maybe familiar if you know Christmas things. But... Did you sing as a kid, We Three Kings of Orientar? We haven't done that one tonight. We, you know, bearing gifts, we travel afar and, you know. Did you used to sing the silly version, the child, you know, We Three Kings of Leicester Square, selling pants a penny a pair? Did you sing that as one as well? <laughs> or these traditions gone by the by? But um, the funny thing is when you look at that, well, here it is. When you look at that reading, um, there aren't three kings. It's a quirky thing. I mean, there are three presents, but it could have been like two, ten, twenty. We don't know. And they're not kings, they're magi. And there's all sorts of things we sort of assume about Christmas that we think we know, but maybe we don't get them all right. And um, maybe I want to help us with one or two of those things tonight. There was a, um, a little study down, a little survey down of primary school children uh, in the um, 2020s, then checking uh, their understanding. Here's a few uh, choice little comments. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is a long, long way away, in Liverpool. It was Charlie, age five. The wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which was stupid. Jesus would have preferred Lego or wrestling toys, <laughs> which is probably true, says Jay. Uh, the angel Gabriel is a massive fairy who helps Mary and Joseph look after the baby. She's a bit like a doctor. So, well, mm, probably most, I enjoyed this one. This was for Alice. 
Jesus was a king, and he wore a very small crown, probably knitted by his nana. <laughs> and um, yeah, all those things you can imagine are, are quite true in one sense. But the main point of this story is, um, and I think those kids have missed the point, and maybe we can miss the point. The main point in Matthew chapter 2 that we just had read, there are two responses to Jesus. That's what Matthew wants us to understand. You can worship him or resent him, but there are only two. See, in chapter 1, we've been told that um, uh, Jesus, he's God, come down to earth. And the reason he's done that, as we've sung in most of the songs, is to save us. You think, I'm fine, thanks. No, to save us from all we've done wrong. And says, he says, if you trust me, you can go to my heaven. If, if you don't, you, you can't. And Matthew 2 is, early on in the, the life of Jesus, what do you make of that? Two responses. Herod resents him. The Magi worship him. Only two responses. Now, most of us uh, instantly find that irritating because we don't like two responses. We don't like binary. Are you for us or against us? Oh, grow up. Um, we sort of sit on the fence. And that's true of lots of things. And it, just being realistic, you know, we've had a new monarch this year. Have you got used to it yet? King Charles. I'm getting quite good now. You know, Prince, I see a photo. Oh, prrr, King Charles. Um, King Charles. And most of us are a bit ambivalent, I think. So it seems, or certainly the polls would say. There are some who, uh, the massive royalists, you know, those come coronation, got their deck chairs out two, three days in advance and, and sit on the mall in the rain and, you know, uh, the passionate royalists. And of course, there are some who resent, you know, had the protest, not my king, the distant voice from California, not my father-in-law. And, um, <laughs> but most people... Most of us are sort of in the middle. King Charles, okay, fine. If we're going to have President Truss or President Johnson, all right, we'll take King Charles. Um, there's something about a constitutional monarchy that's all right. He leaves me alone. Uh, that's fine. Most of us are ambivalent. I, I get that. It isn't like that with Jesus. Because there's a destination, heaven, and he says, you trust me to get there or you don't. Well, let me put it in these terms. Uh, a friend of mine his uh, younger sister, much younger sister, uh, has just got engaged to an airline pilot called Fred, Freddie. And um, I said, oh, and, and have you met him much? Do you like him? Seems all right. I mean, a bit bland, but um, he's all right. Seems to treat my sister all right, so hopefully they'll be okay. And he's a bit ambivalent. Now, imagine, he, uh, he's at Heathrow. He's wanting to get a flight to um, JFK in New York. And he gets on the plane, boards the plane, and uh, as he boards, goes through the door, and uh, which seat are you at, sir? There's the pilot. It's Freddie. He says, oh, hello. Hello. Are you the pilot? Yeah, yeah, I'm the pilot today. At that point, you're not ambivalent. You trust him or you don't. And if you think the bloke's a buffoon, you maybe ask for another pilot or another plane of some kind. But it's binary at that point. You can't be ambivalent. If you don't trust the bloke, you get off the plane. If you trust him, you sit comfortably and watch the films but you see at that point if you're trusting someone to get you somewhere or not then you actually have a decision to make and that's the point in Matthew's gospel we have a decision do you trust Jesus take you to heaven or do you not in which case you won't get there we may not like it but it's binary so Matthew gives us these two examples, Herod and, um, uh, and then the Magi. Herod resents him, the Magi worship him. It's very simple. Herod then, Herod resents him, 
Um, I looked this up because I couldn't think of anyone I knew called Herod. And so I looked. And do you know how many people were given the name Herod in the UK last year? Have a guess. It's quite easy. None. Um, but um, with all due respect and much love and affection, in the US, it was higher. Um, <laughs> and to be fair, not very high uh, in 2022. Um, just, just the one. So still, still ranking below Barry... Bertha, and lots of other names. Uh, Alexa, I felt sorry about that. It's a pretty name, Alexa, but I think Amazon has done for you. I'm so sorry if you're called Alexa. You've probably called Lex now. Um, but, uh, there was, but there is a reason Herod is not a very popular name to give to a child, because his story is not a very happy one. Now, outside of the Bible, the history books would tell us that this Herod, um, he was not a very nice man. Uh, he's a puppet king. So yes, he's sort of king of the Jews, but he's been installed by the Romans, and he's got no real power, and they think he's a buffoon, and uh, uh, the Jewish population, they sort of resent him because he's a collaborator, so he's got no real friends, and um, any of his rivals, he's a bit of a Kim Jong-un, he sort of bumps them off, uh, even amongst his siblings. He's not a very pleasant bloke. Um, And so here, there he is in his palace one day, and along come these... Magi, uh, astrologers or magicians, it's slightly, slightly hard to tell, but that's sort of what they are. Uh, uh, not, not well liked in the community, they've, they've probably come from Iran given the gifts they bear, that's what they, uh, they, 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 uh, the historians reckon. But these three, doesn't say three anyway, these, these, uh, this gang turn up of Magi and they say, oh Herod, hello, um, we're looking for the, um, the king of the Jews. Well here I am, he says. You know, got, got some good stuff for me? Now, we don't think it's you, because um, we're following this star, and it, no, it's not you, um, because, you know, we know about you. It's not you. And so Herod says to his um, advisors, these sort of uh, boffins, well, what's all this about? They said they've come for this promised king. What's all that about? And the boffins say, well, yes, Herod, uh, there's this, all these promises from years and years ago, centuries earlier, that a Messiah would come to save the world. Oh, and he'd be born in Bethlehem. Oh. And at that point, I think Herod does what you and I probably wouldn't have done. But at that point, Herod says, right, I think I'll kill him. He'd rather kill a baby than relinquish his crown. Now, that is a pretty extreme character. But in this little passage that Matthew gives us, it's painted, Herod is painted, you know, it's a, a real account, but the vivid picture of Herod, it's so you and I so shocked, I think, and say, okay, we're not like him, but the same attitude, oh yeah, I think that that probably is natural to me. God comes down and says, you, you want to follow me, you need to follow me, and we think, no thanks. I, I don't want to follow anyone else. I want to run my life my way. Listen, it took me 18 years to get rid of my parents. Um, I ain't following anyone else now at this stage. I do my life. I do it my way. I'm not following Jesus. I'm not giving up my autonomy. I'm not relinquishing my crown. That attitude, well, we've all got that. And if you're uncertain about it, well, why don't you follow Jesus? Some of you do, some of you don't. If you don't, why not? 
Don't want to. Ah, there it is. That's Herod. That's attitude one, and many of us display that. But they resent, Herod resents Jesus. The Magi, by contrast, they worship him. That's what we're told about them. So twice at the beginning of the story, they are on their way to worship him. They eventually come across Jesus, and they worship him. That's what they want to do. Now, as I say, they've probably come from Iran, given the gifts they're, they're carrying. Uh, frankly, this frankincense, you couldn't get it in the region at the time. So fairly exotic characters, probably viewed a little bit with suspicion who these uh, weirdos uh, are entering with their strange... I mean, have you seen the Christmas cards? They wore strange clothes. Um, uh, probably viewed with some suspicion, but I think part of the point is that Jesus is a king for everyone. doesn't matter which country you come from, which race you are. He's for one and all. But they come across him, and they're overjoyed, and they bow down and they worship, and they open their treasure chests, and it's gold, frankincense, wildly expensive, and myrrh. They're overjoyed, and it's just a baby. And we're kind of familiar with it. Somewhere in our memory, we're sort of conscious of this story, but it's kind of weird. Like, you imagine the the Bill Gates of the world, the sort of super affluent, arriving at a baby's door, and opening up their wallets, that is sort of weird for a baby. But they recognize something about him. The clue's probably in the final gift, this myrrh, because um, it's a spice, super exotic spice, very expensive spice, but you used it when you buried someone. You'd wrap wrap someone up in cloths and rub the, uh, the myrrh in it. So it's a slightly odd gift for a baby. How about nappies or a casserole, right? Um, but this is, this is a strange gift. Now, no doubt, for, for all of us this Christmas, there'll be some gifts we open and we don't like them. And um, depending upon the sort of culture of your family, I think mine, I, I realized with hindsight, was a fairly brutal family. You know, you'd open something and you go, oh, interesting. Still got the receipt? Um, and uh, we were sort of honest, was how, how we were with one another. We didn't even wait for the next day, out they come. But um, if uh, you open up one of your presents this Christmas, and uh, it's a folder, and you open, oh, what's this folder? And, oh, it's a, it's a funeral plan with the co-op. Thanks, thanks, Mum and Dad. Um, oh, look, a diamond plan with a wicker basket that decomposes with me. Great. That's, I mean... What? Why would you do that? Why would you give that to a newborn? And presumably, I think Matthew is saying, they knew. They knew who this was. They knew that this little baby was indeed God himself who'd come down and entered this world as a savior. And that's the promise. The heart of the Christian faith is that this baby grows up to be the man, Jesus, and swaps places with you and me. He takes on all that we've done wrong, all our guilt, all our errors, all our flaws, all our sin, the Bible word, and he gives us heaven and says, it's a gift. You'd never get in there. You don't deserve it, but I'll take all you've done wrong. I'll give you this free gift of heaven. I'll die so you can live forever. And the major, I get it. Hence their response. Well, let me try and put it in these terms. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, some friends, their uh, 16-year-old has been very, very, very unwell for a, uh, for a number of years, well, really since birth, Gretchen, and um, her lungs were giving out, and the clock was ticking before, you know, 
they were going to give out completely. But they've been on the uh, waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, uh, just over two weeks ago, she had a double lung transplant. That is amazing surgery. Amazing surgery. Um, and um, the, the lungs have taken and now off painkillers completely. I mean, still in hospital, but all painkillers down. And they think, this is, this is going to take. We're, we're, we're really positive uh, about this. And so, of course, this is going to be the most extraordinary Christmas ever, whereas they were worrying her days were numbered now, years, decades, more. Of course, the obvious point about it is it comes at a cost. And another young woman died in an accident so that Gretchen could have new lungs. And, and the family said, it's, it's weird. They really want to meet the other girl's parents. They want to say... We're so sorry. They want to say, look what's happened. Your daughter's death wasn't in vain. They want to say, we'll never be able to repay you. We'll never stop thanking you. But it's a really weird dynamic, that. And they'll never meet. The family don't want to know. But they feel this emotional debt. Of course they do. And they want to express their thanks. Of course they do. A child has died so theirs can live. Now the major I get some of that. Jesus didn't die in an accident. Jesus entered this world knowing full well he'd grow up as an adult to die. For all we've done wrong so we can have heaven. He did it voluntarily. He did it willingly. But the major I know that that's what he's going to do. And they think that's amazing. They think that's amazing. So they worship him. Two responses to Jesus. Herod resents him. I don't want, anyone, I don't want to follow anyone else. The Magi say, this is the most extraordinary thing. Here is one who will die for us and then conquer death. And I'll follow him anywhere. It's not resentful. It's not dutiful. It's joyful. They were overjoyed. And they worshipped him. Two responses. There are only two. I know that's really annoying. I know most of us want to say, look, I, just, I don't know what I think. I'm a bit ambivalent about such things. I, don't push me into a decision. It's fine. But my plea always at this time of year as a vicar is to say, have you ever looked at this as an adult? Have you ever read one of the accounts of the life of Jesus? Why don't you? Because there are only two responses. And if you never engage in it, you're making one which is not interested. I, I did nothing, want nothing to do with him. For all of my childhood, until I was an adult, I grew up thinking it was all a myth, all fairy tale along with Santa. It was only as an adult I actually read one of the accounts of the life of Jesus and thought, oh, actually I've got to decide what I think. Because there are only two ways to respond to Jesus. Resent him, no. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. I don't want to follow anyone. Or to see what he's done. That he offers you heaven for free. And if you get it, I mean, if you really get it, you're overjoyed. You do love him. You want to follow him. So my plea is, why not? Why not this Christmas if you've never done so? You'll find one under your seat. On the back of the chair, you'll find one. An account of the life of Jesus. Why not read it? See what you think. I'm going to pray briefly.
Father, thank you for this time of year. It's fun. Christmas is great fun. Uh, It's exhausting as well. But um, what a chance to celebrate lots of things. But Father, how wonderful if we have time this Christmas, if we make time this Christmas to actually read of Jesus. This could be the most joyful Christmas we've ever had. For those of us who know this, who are familiar with this, would we once again discover the, the joy that the Magi had the wonder at knowing that one will pay for all they've done wrong and offer them heaven. Father, maybe for some of us it could be the first time, but help us see him not as a rival that we need to resent, but as wonderful, one we love. Amen.